It's time for the number one talk show of Eastern Connecticut and Southern Rhode Island. The Stu Breyer Potpourri Talk Show on 1310 WICH. Now, here's Stu Breyer. We have a very important guest. This is uh, Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, and of course, every day we should be aware of it. Uh, it's one of the most common cancers among men. Thanks for being with us, Teresa. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's a great time to talk about this topic. <laughs> certainly is, and it's, I guess, the number one cancer among men, correct? Yeah, I believe it's a close second. I think skin cancers are uh, first, but uh, prostate cancer is definitely up there, something we you know see quite often and, and want to keep on the top of our mind for sure. We've talked uh, about that through the years, and there's still a lot of confusion. First of all, are there, are there any symptoms with prostate cancer? Yeah, it's tricky because most of the time with prostate cancer, there are no symptoms uh, in, in the beginning and for the first several you know, years or decades of having prostate cancer. So the only time people tend to get symptoms is when it's progressed you know, and spread and metastasized to other parts of the body. And so our goal with screening is to really try to identify that sooner because you know, once you get to those um, periods where it has spread, the you know, survival rate's a lot lower. But if you find it early, then certainly the survival rate's really great. I think the five-year survival is about 97 or 98% if you find it early. So you know, it is something that you do want to identify before it gets to that point. And unfortunately, no symptoms in the early disease. Later on, you know, when it does metastasize, you can get some mm-hmm. urinary symptoms, painful ejaculation, trouble with your urine stream, back pain, hip pain. Uh, but again, you know, not, no symptoms in the beginning. Are men more prone to prostate cancer if their whole lifestyle is not very good, if they're overweight, if they don't eat well? Does that have any significance to it? Yeah, I mean, they're continuously doing studies on that. It seems like almost every type of cancer, because it's a mutation of a of a cell, is that if you, you know, introduce things into your body or into your environment that are not healthy and cause cellular changes, that it can be associated with cancers. So certainly, um, you know, we, we do see a trend of increase in every type of cancer uh, with, with poor lifestyle habits. Mm-hmm. What about uh, the screening process? Tell us about uh, are there different screening processes. Yeah, I mean, this is really a tough, tough conversation with prostate cancer because unfortunately there is really no one perfect screening test for prostate cancer, whereas for women you think of, you know, breast cancer, mammograms, you know, they're, they're highly recommended, easily detectable, and then they're a, a great screening tool. With men, there isn't a great screening tool. Um, it, it, what, the one tool that we have is um, a blood test called the PSA, prostate-specific antigen, which is a protein that the prostate gives off um, when there's something going on in it, but that could be anything, um, you know, prostate in- inflammation, irritation, certain medications, and so it's not specific to cancer, which can cause a whole lot of trouble when we're, you know, trying to screen or interpret that to really make sense of, you know, is, is it really a great screening tool. So a lot of the medical community, you know, the recommendations for screening for that is a very weak recommendation. So with the PSA test, and I think most people believe that that is the test to give an indication if something just isn't right, um, where do you go from there if it looks suspicious? Yeah, I mean, the indication is to kind of, first of all, have a conversation with your doctor about your risks and what you would do if it was positive and and all of that before you do a PSA, so they call it 
fair decision making now, um, kind of going through the um, what that test entails and what the you know outcome might be. But if we do detect um, an inappropriate level or elevation of that, we generally refer them to a urologist who is a um, you know men's health specialist that deals with prostate and urinary and testicular issues, um, and they can do additional testing to kind of determine if that is. Uh, a cancer or aggressive mm-hmm. cancer. Most of the time, it's something like a biopsy or an ultrasound where they're having to really, you know, physically look at the gland or take a sample of the gland to diagnose that. Um, so, um, and another another treatment that, well, treatment uh, pathway that we use um, for most people with prostate cancer, because prostate cancer, more men die with it than from it. It can be usually benign and not cause symptoms in the lifetime. And so, Another thing we do is what we call active surveillance, which just means we keep checking the PSA level or a biopsy or, you know, imaging every uh, intervals every, you know, six months or a year just to make sure that it's not spreading because a lot of prostate cancer stays within the gland and does not spread. That's the most common by far. So uh, sometimes it can just stay as it is or is it a slow spread or... Yeah, it's, it's usually a slow spread, and like I said, most men die with prostate cancer. They've done studies where they've looked at, you know, autopsies of older men, and um, I think they said one in eight men get prostate cancer um, in their lifetime, and most of them never know it, and, you know, they, they live through it. Um, so it's unusual for it to become, you know, large enough and aggressive enough to spread. So um, that's the, the good thing about prostate cancer. But again, you know, just assessing the risk to see if you are at higher risk, which could happen with, certain genetic conditions or, or things that would put you at higher risk. Sometimes I hear men getting the prostate removed. At what point would you do that? Um, so a lot of times the urologist will recommend that if the prostate cancer does seem like it's growing, you know, on the imaging and testing. Um, and it's a great test if it's still local in the prostate. Sure, just remove that prostate gland. Um, but unfortunately, there's a lot of side effects that come from that. I've seen a lot of patients that have chronic, you know, erectile dysfunction or chronic urinary incontinence or pelvic pain after having some type of procedure on the prostate. So again, that kind of comes into the play of like, all right, do we want to do something? Do we want to just watch it and do this active surveillance or do we do something more aggressive? So a lot of times with prostate cancer, it's a lot of, you know, discussion, discussion, discussion with your primary care and with the urologist. So what about, um, Teresa, some of the treatments they have for people who are uh, who have prostate cancer and it looks like it's, you know, getting into the dangerous zone? Um, would it just be regular, like, chemotherapy or what type of treatments do we have? Yeah, it kind of depends on your stage and, again, the type of um, cancer that it is. But certainly, like we mentioned, surgery to remove the prostate gland is an option. Um, chemotherapy and radiation like we use for, you know, other cancers. There's also hormone therapy. Um, so a lot of men, their testosterone uh, causes the cancer to grow. And so we put them on medication that suppress, suppress their testosterone level. And so then that keeps the cancer in check as well. Again, plethora of side effects, unfortunately. Um, so you have to talk about, you know, quality of life uh, versus the potential for that to spread. What is the safest way for treatment? Uh, I, I think it depends on the type again. Um, you know, I would say uh, most, I, I've had plenty of patients that if it's small, they are sticking with that active surveillance and just getting occasional, uh, you know, PSA mm-hmm. levels and, and biopsies every one to two years and just not doing anything. So sometimes no treatment is the best treatment. 
It's very interesting how it varies from person to person, and uh, we're learning about uh, more during, of course, uh, Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, this whole month. And Now, uh, I've heard before, just like when uh, women get exams, breast exams, uh, oh, don't do it till you're 40 or 50 or, or 60. Uh, is there a, an age with, with men where it's not even worth bothering checking it? Yes, they, um, the screening guidelines right now say to have that discussion about potentially doing the PSA between ages of 55 and 69. So they say once you're 70 to probably stop screening or sooner if you have a shorter life expectancy. Um, but 70, they recommend against screening after age 70 because, again, they're thinking, oh, if, you, if we find this cancer, there's a, a bigger chance you're going to outlive this rather than it would spread by the time, you know, that mm-hmm. you die. So after 70, they advise against PSA, and then uh, 55 to 70 is kind of the range where we have that discussion of maybe uh, get, potentially getting that as a blood test if we want that as one of our options. So what's the theory when, you know, some men, as you say, it just remains kind of silent and doesn't move around and other people... Uh, seems rapidly it just spreads to all parts of the body is is there any medical reason for that um yeah so the prostate is a gland and so the type of cancers that develop in the prostate are usually a glandular type of cancer which tend to be potentially slower growing but some people have a different genetic reason that they get prostate cancer and it's not necessarily a primary mutation of the gland it's a little bit more mm-hmm. involved and so i mean hopefully over the years because we we've been getting a lot more into you know genetics and screenings that maybe eventually one day there may be a test where you know we could check um you know someone's genetic markers that might tell us if they have a specific gene that would be linked with, you know, pro- aggressive prostate cancer, and we would know what individuals would be the ones that would maybe have a cancer that would potentially be aggressive or that they would actually die from. So, oh, it would be nice know. if they get that soon. <laughs> Hi, WICH. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you have a, guess, a question for my guest? Yes, Sue, I have a question for you, Doc. What is it? It is. If you don't feel it, you don't know, and there's not a time limit in between going through cancer and you don't know it and it's not detective what she's saying she's so she's very uh, informative for me what's your question I'm wondering I'm just wondering just let it go uh, unless you feel dramatic pain because she mentioned it's not detective in a lot of ways well I think she did mention something there's no symptoms and uh yeah, so that's scary, test. man, because you don't even know what's yeah. going on with you, you know, bro? Okay, thanks. So that that's certainly a reason to get tested because you're not getting any inclination that there is a problem there until it's advanced, correct? Right. Okay. Right. If uh, you have a question, folks, 889-5252 for the time that we have uh, our guest here. What about uh, as far as... Ethnic, ethnic people from one way or that are, is there one group more prone to prostate cancer? Uh, yes, so they say that um, non-Hispanic black males have a higher risk of having 
the more aggressive type and also um, earlier. So there's some discussion that uh, potentially considering doing screening closer to either 45 or 40 for, mm-hmm. for those individuals. So, yep, there, there's certainly uh, a genetic uh, correlation there. I have a friend who, um, I would say 30 years ago, he was in his late 30s and um, happened to check his PSA and um, he had it. And, you know, here we are how many years later and he's fine. He had treatment for it, but he did have to go for treatment. So it can happen at an earlier age. Yes, it's, it's, it's much more rare, but it can certainly happen. Most prostate cancers are, you know, specifically age-associated, but there's always, you know, always the uh, atypical case for sure. Um, but like you mentioned, it, it's great that we have all these treatment options that most of the time if we identify this cancer, it's treatable, you know. So, so that's the kind of silver lining there that, um, you know, we do have a lot of tools, and this doesn't tend to be a cancer that, you know, ends poorly if we catch it sooner. Of course, this is on a lot of guys' mind. I remember sitting at a table the other day with three other guys, and I realized we talked about prostates for 20 minutes. It's like, you know, it's, it's on our mind. And um, then we hear about these treatments, like it's called the SEEDS. Uh, that's another treatment for it? Yeah, so that's actually radiation. So, you know, you might be familiar with radiation from an external beam machine that Mm -hmm. we use for different cancers, but they also have these little um, radiation seeds, they call them. So a little thing like the size of a piece of rice, um, and they actually inject it into your prostate right near where the cancerous cells are, and so it can radiate them from the inside. Um, So that's a great treatment as well. Mm -hmm. Sure, they have pretty good success with that. Seems yeah. like somebody may opt out for that as opposed to other types of uh, chemotherapy. Yeah, definitely. It's you know worth looking into w- whichever you know strategy has the uh, you know least amount of side effects <laughs> going forward. So mm, definitely, yeah, of course. Hi, WICH. You have a question for my guest. Yes, uh, I was wondering. First of all, did I hear her right that uh, it's not recommended at age seventy or over that uh, uh, you don't have to get tested anymore? PSA tests. Is that what she said? So that is the recommendation against that. However, the caveat to that is if I have patients that are very healthy, you know, I have a 70-year-old that still runs marathons, I'm probably going to continue screening because his life expectancy in my mind is longer than that. So the recommendation in general for screening is don't do it over 70, but if you're a very healthy 70-year-old, you and your doctor can choose to continue yeah. screening a well, bit I don't longer. Know who put that, I don't know who put that recommendation out, but I don't like it. I think even if you're <laughs> 80 or 85, you can have a, a PSA test. It's a simple blood test. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, you know, if you, if you get if you get prostate cancer at, at 75 and you don't get um, tested, What's the life expectancy if you got like stage three uh, prostate cancer and you don't get tested at age 75? How, how much long are you going to live? Two, three years? So as you go up in the stages, then the survival rate obviously, you know, gets lower. But again, most of these cancers, if you're developing them older, they tend to be slower growing. And, and like I said, the survival rate, five-year survival rate for most of these uh, is, is like 97, 98%. And so, um, you know, I, I would imagine most men who are older that, again, they would outlive this cancer. Again, like you said, there's the caveat of some of the people oh, that sure. have higher stage or higher grade cancers. And at that point, um, you know, then they may consider treatment. But I have a couple patients who do have those higher stage cancers, and they're choosing not to do anything because they don't want the side effects 
um, and they're just going to kind of live with it. So, I mean, again, a lot of information, a lot of things to digest. Everyone's path is different, and it depends on your values and your quality of life and your, you know, mm-hmm. intended treatment plan. So these are good conversations to have and just be aware yeah. of all, all of right, your options. Thank options. you, sir. Appreciate the call. We have a few more minutes with our guest here. It's a very important segment in our program. I know some uh, some folks just never get the test or don't want to know or don't think about it. But as far as the survival rate, I think it's important we talk a little bit more about that, Teresa. For those who catch it early, I believe there's a pretty darn good survival rate. Is that correct? Yep. So that's that 97, 98% survival rate for you know five years after diagnosis. So that is amazing. I don't think there's any other cancers um, besides like a topical skin cancer that would have that um, type of survival rate. So, you know, that's amazing that if we find it early, uh, the survival rate is long. Um, and again, some of those people aren't doing anything and it's just not growing, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. that's the that kind of silver lining there. Um, and, and one more thing to mention, as the last caller had said about, uh, you know, discontinuing screening when you're older, um, the other tricky part is that as men get older, a normal process of aging is that the prostate gland tends to get enlarged and then it secretes more of that prostate specific antigen so an average male as he's getting older in his 80s or so his psi might naturally raise up two or three points because of that benign prosthetic hypertrophy that enlargement of the prostate gland and so then we're you know having to interpret this test again oh you know psa is high what do we do about that do we think it's a cancer do we think it's bph so that could be another thing that just plays into the you know um, uncertainty of the PSA test, for sure. Well, that's a good point, because it may, may look more positive, but it's something else going on. Right, lots of false positives. And I've had patients that had blood work done, and it's elevated, come to find out, um, you know, if they are an avid bike rider, it can be higher just from friction on the bike seat because of the proximity of where your prostate mm. sits. Um, it can also be elevated if patients recently um, had sexual activity before they had the blood test done. And so, again, all of these false positives that can come up, and then we're potentially, you know, exposing people to additional testing. So it's just kind of a big question mark, and, and really making an informed decision with your primary doctor is, is really important. Have you had patients where, um, you know, it looks like it's it's coming up and it's more positive, and then it, it goes back down and the you say, well, boy, that looks better this time. Yeah, and so that's one of the things I do for sure. If I if I um, get a result on someone where it does bump up a little bit, most of the time my original plan is come back in three months, let's repeat the test and see mm-hmm. what happens. Uh, and I would say in probably about 50% of the patients, it comes back down to normal, and it was just some random, uh, you know, yeah. if they had COVID or an infection, sometimes they have universal inflammation and it goes up. So. Um, the, the first thing I do is kind of confirm that it's not going to remain elevated and that it is going to, um, you know, come back down. And then if not, if, if we get kind of serial levels that are consistently elevated, then I certainly have them see a urologist and do a little bit more testing. This is very good. Now I'm going to get to the point where there's so many things that are advertised. Good for your prostate, protects you against prostate cancer. And is that all garbage or is there anything to some of these products? I, I haven't really seen anything that I think is a you know silver bullet, so mm-hmm. I, I don't really think so. <laughs> you know, I, I think like we mentioned before, trying to just live a healthy lifestyle for one. Um, you know, to, to those would reduce your risk of many cancers, um, and just trying to you know keep keep your screenings up to date. Go get your annual physicals to make sure that 
you're checking for all sorts of cancers with your doctor. So what really got my attention recently is that uh, what is really good and protects the prostate is that tomatoes, lots of tomatoes. Heard much about that one? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's certain things that show that, like, certain foods are anti-inflammatory or certain foods can, can, you know, create responses there. Unfortunately, none of those really have been tested in studies by the FDA, so I, I can't really speak to that from a medical perspective, but... Um, you know, I, more power to someone if they choose to, you know, go an avenue like that that probably wouldn't harm them, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I heard that I immediately had a tomato sandwich. <laughs> like, yeah, start now. <laughs> I had lots of extra sauce on my spaghetti. Well, this is a very important uh, interview we're having today, and maybe we've helped some people. Uh, of course, some people don't get tested because they don't want to know. But in the long run, as you say, uh, the success rate when you get something early is incredibly good. So really should get tested. It seems like automatically for years when I've gotten blood tested, it's always been a part of it, the PSA test. Yeah, and they're kind of going away from that now. We have kind of, uh, you know, handouts and documents in our exam rooms about the PSA and this shared decision-making tool, which only in the last couple years, this has been kind of the, the more solid recommendation. So we actually don't go ahead and order that blood work for a patient until we have the conversation about it, and the patient can either opt in or opt out for screening, um, and then we can determine how often they would like to be screened, whether it's annually or every two years um, or some type of interval. So we're trying to kind of customize that for patients. Um, and another thing that I like to bring up, because I had a patient who said this yesterday, um, you know, he was in for his physical, and he said, oh, you guys, you know, don't, don't do that rectal exam anymore. I was so afraid to come in because I didn't want to have that done, um, right. that prostate check. Um, and so, I, you know, I do not want you to be afraid to go to your doctor to get your physical because of that, because of as of 2018, they have recommended against a digital rectal exam to be able to um, diagnose prostate cancer or screen for prostate cancer. So that's very important to know that, you know, you, you don't have to get that done and that it, there is not strong medical evidence that that is a good screening tool. So it's not really considered as accurate as we might have thought it was. Right. And it has to do with where the prostate sits. I mean, you're only able to feel about, you know, one-eighth of it or maybe one-fourth of it when you're, uh, you know, feeling the border of it through a rectal exam. So, you know, you're not feeling the whole thing. Most of the cancers are internally, not on the edges of it. Um, so it's very unusual for a physician to be able to really feel a prostate cancer from that perspective. Um, so it's just not a useful tool. Yeah, I'm glad you told me that because uh, a couple of uh, physicals ago, you know, I'm so used to having that checked. And uh, I noticed that hmm, the end of my physical, she didn't do it. And I'm thinking, is it something I said? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. So I wasn't going to bring it up like, hey, uh, but uh, so that's the reason. That's, right. That's, and so it's a difficult subject for some people to broach or they, you know, avoid yeah. the doctors because of that. Um, thinking mm-hmm. that, oh, if I go in for my physical, I'm going to be subjected to this. Um, but but that's not the case anymore as of, you know, 2018. And so you certainly, um, you know, don't have to be afraid to, to get your screening physical <laughs> for that purpose. So the, and then one, one more, just to reiterate, one more thing. If you, you, you take the test and it looks very suspicious and you get it checked again, uh, there are more sensitive ways to evaluate if indeed there is a problem in there, and, and does that take um, 
outpatient surgery or what what actually transpires on that yeah there's actually a test and you might have heard of it it's called the 4k prostate test um Mm -hmm. and usually that's something that the urologist will order when we have an elevated psa and we're kind of trying to figure out if this is cancer or what Um, and that 4k test is a combination of um it's a few blood tests that are related to the PSA and prostate antigen, and then also results from MRI imaging of your prostate, um, and then also some risk factors like your age and and other things. So it's kind of a comprehensive tool to risk stratify for people that might have aggressive cancers, Um, and that's also quite recent. So that's a great tool that kind of gives us a hint of what people might be at higher risk for an aggressive cancer. Um, and so usually patients will either do that or a biopsy or, or something. So um, there, there are tools to assess it further. And, and again, a lot of patients have an elevated PSA. I send them to urology. They have some type of workup. And then they say there's nothing. And that's great. Then maybe it was just this elevated PSA and we don't have to worry about it, you know? Uh, yeah, no, just, just recently one of my best friends in Florida uh, went through that and he had what you just said and it was it was fine so I thought wow because he was really concerned so there was another case where it's good to get a better indication and not take any chances of course right absolutely and and you know again like you said where he was concerned and you spend time worrying about this or thinking of cancer that's another thing to take into consideration with the PSA because we know it's not specific and there's a lot of false positives you know what kind of distress are we putting patients through and then having to, you know, think they have cancer and see the urologist. So there's, I mean, there's physical um, symptoms that can come from unneeded treatment and screening, but also emotional um, Mm -hmm. parts of that. So this all, you know, has to be taken into account with the balance of how do we screen for prostate cancer. Well, you've got to start start somewhere with the prostate and then, you know, you take it from there. Otherwise, go right into some serious operation or something. We have time for a, an, another question for you. Hi, WICH. What's your question? Hey, uh, me too. Um, what would be interesting to know, okay, about this prostate uh, testing is the numbers, okay? What are good numbers? What are bad numbers? What, what, you know, what number is too high that you really need to be concerned about? What number is, is you know, a low number, which is good that you don't have have to worry about anything. I mean, that would be nice to... Yeah, we hear a lot about the numbers, sir. We'll, we'll get that in before we close that up. We hear a lot about the numbers, you know, if you're a certain age and there's a number that's a little higher, that's okay. Could you tell us a little bit about the numbers? Sure. Um, the, the cutoff on, you know, our, our lab report when you get it back um, is at 4.0. So they say if it's above 4, that's an elevated PSA. If it's below 4, that's more reassuring. However, there are cancers that can occur at lower PSAs. Um, the lower it is, the better it is essentially. And so if someone has like a 0.01 for a long time, I, I'm not worried and we can even space out their screening longer if desired. Um, but if someone's kind of climbing up and, and, you know, they're on the 3.9, this, that, we're going to keep a closer eye on it. But as you get older, because of that benign um, prostate enlargement, as we spoke about, that can, you know, make the number go up. And so there's kind of higher levels of um, that, that we kind of think of as appropriate for age. And so I wouldn't be too alarmed 
if an older male came in and there's, uh, you know, when they're 65 or so, is a little higher than four. Again, I, you know, we're going to watch it because that's the cutoff is four, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be surprising to me. Um, I have patients that have just, again, that BPH, benign prosthetic enlargement, um, and their PSAs are 15, you know, 16. Um, so, uh, you know, and that's just where they sit, and that's a super high number. It would be concerning, but they've been evaluated, um, and it's just from the enlargement. So, uh, you know, it, it is hard to interpret, but um, for all intents and purposes, it is 4.0 as the cutoff on the universal, you know, scale. Very interesting, Teresa. I'm glad we uh, got to talk to you today. Uh, Teresa is a physician assistant with ProHealth Physicians located in Farmington. Anything else that we may have missed that you'd like to share? No, I I think we covered a lot. I think think it's just kind of hammering home the point that, unfortunately, there's not a great screening test. You know, you do want to talk to your physician, ask them if you're at higher risk, get screened early if you need to be, um, and just know, you know, the, the drawbacks of potentially some of these testing so that we're not just blindly you know, going in there and expecting, you know, black and white. So it is all sorts of gray area. <laughs> is there a hereditary uh, situation with this thing? Um, yes, there can be. And again, that's kind of links back to what we cross our fingers that maybe there's going to be some additional genetic testing in the future that, you know, we'll be able to kind of pinpoint that closer. But there are some um, hereditary conditions like Lynch syndrome, BRCA, um, that you do have higher risk of. Uh, you know, having prostate cancer. So those specific individuals, we certainly want to screen sooner and be more, you know, um, on the lookout for. But for the general population, um, you know, the screening we talked about starting around 55 is probably the, the normal. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for being with us. You have a wonderful day, and uh, the information is priceless. And this is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month. That's right. Happy September. Keep your prostates healthy. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks very (laughs) much. Talk again soon. Yep. Take care of yourself. Thank you.